Well, good morning. I'm Michael Hall. I'm pastor here at Sandoval and Boulder United Methodist Parish. I want to welcome you to our worship service this morning, January 31st, 2021. Uh, in terms of announcements, uh, first thing I want to announce is that Boulder United Methodist Church is planning. They're getting uh, having cleaners come in, clean the church, get things ready. Planning and tentatively expecting to have their first in-person worship service on uh, February 14th. So here coming up in just a couple weeks. So that is the thing to look forward to. So if you are a member at Boulder, if you live closer to Boulder, um, it will be indoors at least at the uh, beginning. We'll see how things do in terms of the weather as spring comes. Um, because I know that uh, whenever we were having the outdoor services out at Boulder, our attendance was uh, much higher than anything we had when we were inside. And uh, it was uh, going quite well. And I know that there are folks that um, would prefer an outdoor service. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that as, as the weather hopefully will improve and maybe pray for an early spring and maybe a not terribly rainy spring at that would be, would be nice. So... Uh, that is coming up. Um, uh, I had mentioned last week the need to have a uh, joint PPR meeting, and uh, I've gotten emails from some folks, and I'm going to try this week to plan on setting a date. I do think probably just all things considered, uh, we'll probably go ahead and do a Zoom meeting with that. So I will try to... Because I think we can do it within a half an hour. I think we can pull off a half hour meeting with that. Um, but it's just to go over some paperwork. So uh, if you are on the PPR committee, I will be trying to send you either an email or a Facebook message here within the next week. Announcing a date and a login for that Zoom meeting so that we can get that set up, get it done, get it over with, get paperwork turned in, get that out of the way. Next Friday and Saturday, I will be having my next uh, course of study class. Those of you who are members here know that I have to go periodically for education. Uh, I will not be traveling for it. Thankfully, this year they've had us do our classes online, for better or worse. So I will be at home, but I will be unavailable on those days. So Friday and Saturday next week, I will not really be available for calls or anything like that. I will be having class all evening Friday and all day uh, Saturday. Um, aside from that, uh, so far from what I've seen, what I've been told anyway, all our metrics in terms of virus numbers are good. So we can continue as we are with in-person worship. So, and again, just want to mention that if uh, you are thinking about possibly making the jump and start coming back to in-person worship, we've got plenty of room here. So we are in good shape and we are all taking uh, very good precautions. So I believe that you can come here and feel safer than, as a friend of mine has said, safer here than you would at Walmart. So uh, with that being said, let's open with a word of prayer. Gracious, holy, and loving God, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this day that we can be gathered here, both in person and in spirit. We thank you for the goodness of your love that you have shown us in your Son, Jesus. Holy God, we come to you praying that in this time of Epiphany, as we get closer to Lent, 
that you would help us to draw close to you and to rely upon your son Jesus as the one who holds all the universe together and that we can trust in him to carry us through even the most difficult storms of life. We ask, gracious God, your blessings upon us of health and well-being. We pray for those who are sick and in need of healing. We pray your forgiveness where we've failed you and help us to be your church in this community and in the world around us to show your light to those who need to see it. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Good morning. Please join me in our call to worship. God comes into a world filled with uncertainties and darkness. God embraces the wounded and broken. God is the candle shining in the darkness of our days. God is the one who makes all things new. Praise, Praise be to God, now and forevermore. everyone who's here present and also who's listening today to take this as a time to draw near to God, knowing that we serve a God and trust, follow a God that we can trust, that has promised to hear us when we pray, who has promised to answer our prayers. Maybe not always in the way that we would like, but he has promised to be with us and to never forsake us. And so as we come into this prayer time today, know that we are praying to a God who isn't absent, who doesn't close his ears to our needs and our concerns, but who is sitting there listening, willing to be there with us in the difficulties of life.
Gracious, holy, and loving God, we come to you today, your grateful and thankful people. Thankful for your blessings of love, that you have loved us so much, that you gave us your son, that you might be in a relationship with us once again. That we might have an open door to you. Holy Father, we come to you today praying that you would forgive us of our failings. Take us and shape us into the image of your Son that we might go into the world and be his hands and feet to those who need it. We pray, Lord, for those that we have lifted up in prayer today that you would bring healing into their lives. That you would touch them and that you would give them comfort. We pray for those who are mourning, Lord, that you would give them your peace. We give you thanks, Lord, for the joy of your presence in our lives and to be able to see your handiwork in the creation. Father God, we come to you today asking that you would be with our healers, our peacekeepers, and our peacemakers, our doctors and nurses, and military and law enforcement, Lord. Lord, we pray that you guide, direct, and protect them, that you would let them know that they are never alone, but that you are with them. But most especially, we lift up to you today those who are friends and family of these churches and who serve. Father God, we pray for our leaders in government. We pray that you give them wisdom from on high, that through them you might do your work. And we look forward to that great day when your kingdom shall come on earth as it is in heaven. And gracious God, we pray most of all for those who do not know you. We pray that you would use us as your ministers to share your love with them, that all might come to know the name of Jesus and be saved. Father God, all of these joys and concerns we bring to you today, and we lay them down at your feet in the name of your Son, Jesus, knowing you hear our every prayer. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, we continue to pray to you the prayer that your Son, Jesus, taught us to pray so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Our scriptures for today come from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And then we will look at Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Solomon continues his, what I call, observances of the human condition. It says, again, I observed all the oppression that takes place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them. The oppressors have great power and their victims are helpless. So I concluded that the dead are better off than the living. But most fortunate of all are those who are not yet born. For they have not seen all the evil that is done under the sun. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin, and yet better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. There is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can, then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And turning to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Verses 46 through 55. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy, and He has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear Him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, 
to Abraham and his children forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think that probably, I'm just thinking out loud here for a moment, but I'm thinking probably the most soul-crushing form of loneliness would have to be the loneliness of suffering severe injustice alone. To have no one to take up your case, no shoulder to cry on in one's sorrow. Though I am thankful that I have never experienced severe persecution and I have never experienced prejudice that threatened my well-being, I do have a very rough idea of what it must be like to suffer as such. When I was, I think, in the fifth grade, I was taking a test and minding my own business, and another student turned and started asking me questions, and I tried to silently let him know that I wasn't answering. And the reason why I wasn't answering was, number one, that wouldn't be right, and number two, um, because the teacher had said quite clearly that anyone caught talking, and it didn't matter if they just said hi, anybody caught talking would receive a zero on their test. And I was a good student, and I took a lot of pride in my school work, and the thought of getting a zero on my test was appalling to me. So I wasn't going to talk to this kid. Well, this kid kept bugging me. And this is the thing that's weird is he was talking out loud. No one was saying anything. This kid kept bugging me and bugging me. And apparently the teacher was deaf until I finally said to this kid to be quiet. Now the teacher has ears suddenly. I will say there's a reason why we homeschool our kids too. <laughs> kid that was bugging me gets off scot-free because she didn't hear him. But I get my test taken away and a zero put on it. Let this be a severe cautionary tale to educators out there as to how they administer what they think of as justice. You have the power to help and the power to hurt. And I've had many good teachers in my lifetime as well. But this one was pretty much bottom of the pile. You have the power to help and the power to hurt. And you, like all who have the duty of caring for these little ones, will have to make an account for themselves on the day of judgment. You might go and look in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus has some comments about what happens to those who cause the little ones to to fall and sin, talks about stuff with a millstone and around the neck and being thrown into the sea. Pretty rough, all right? Thankfully, the injustice that I suffered was eventually reported, not by myself, but by someone else who saw what happened. And I got the grade that I deserved, an A. Not because someone could have been fired over this, but because I earned it fair and square. 
In the interim, though, as a student that strived for excellence, I felt a kind of humiliation and outrage at the same time that I can't quite describe. Seeing justice perverted has to be one of the most outrageous things. And Solomon, in his life, in his life and in his life observations, makes note of the evil of injustice and loneliness. Solomon continues on in, from his observances of corruption in the courtroom from chapter 3. If you remember, last week I was reading Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And that chapter is more famous for the whole to everything. There is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Uh, the birds made a song out of that. Um, but towards the end of that chapter, he talks about witnessing injustice in the courtroom. And this is where he kind of continues on from there. He says, the powerless are at the mercy of the judges, those who are in authority. The poor and the helpless depend on justice being upheld for their very livelihoods. If you are poor, then the only thing that protects you is the law being upheld. If you look at most laws throughout history, they've generally been set up to protect the well-being of the disadvantaged from the advantage taking advantage of them. This is even, in the, this is even the case in Old Testament law. You may have to read between the lines a little bit to get that understanding, but that is, in, a, in essence, the case. Otherwise, what tends to happen, if you don't have some sense of justice, what happens is, as Darwin would put it, survival of the strongest happens and barbarity ensues. When justice is miscarried, it is the weak and poor who suffer most, those who have little to no power of their own. And I find it interesting here that after talking about injustice done to those who are the poor, and the poor can be a very, it's not just necessarily monetarily poor, but they're poor in power, they're poor in standing, social status, there's a lot of ways that one can be poor. But it's interesting to me that he follows that discussion with talking about the curse of loneliness. He, in essence, says you can go and work yourself to death and make more money than Scrooge McDuck. Maybe you don't understand that reference. Whenever I was a kid, there was a cartoon called DuckTales and Scrooge McDuck liked to dive and swim through his money. You can make more money than that. And still, if you have nobody, what does it matter if you have a lot? Companionship? Friendship, whether in family, co-workers, marriage, whatever, offers warmth and support and joy that you can't have otherwise. And it also offers strength. He speaks of how two standing back to back can protect each other. Bringing us back to these two problems that when compounded are unbearable. 
suffering injustice alone. The United States is a wonderful nation based on wonderful ideals. We have what I consider to be the best form of legal system that there can possibly be in the world. A legal system that's based on common law, that's set on precedent. A legal system that's based on the idea of equality and justice. But at its ugliest, our worst actions have been acts of injustice against those who are the most vulnerable and alone. Racial injustice, favoritism of wealth and power, abortion, child and elder abuse. All of these are examples of those who are in power perverting justice for their own benefit rather than using it to serve and defend the weak. But we're not unique in this struggle. All throughout history, and this is the sad reality, throughout all of history, power has more often than not been used to suppress rather than to defend the weak. And Solomon knew this all too well. If anything, America is unique in that our guiding principles are to equal justice, even if we fail at times to follow through with it. What I'm trying to say here is I'm not trying to whitewash the mistakes and sins of our nation. What I'm trying to say is that our guiding principles point to a better reality that we are to strive for. But it still stands. What is the hope for those who suffer injustice alone? For that, I turned to the Gospel of Luke, to what is oftentimes referred to as Mary's Magnificat. It's her praise to God. And what we see throughout this song of praise that Mary has given us, quite frankly, it is, it is a New Testament psalm. She's basically declaring and saying, God has promised to right all of the wrongs. And he's starting it by taking a young, unmarried peasant girl and making her the mother of the king of the universe. It is the great reversal in action. God is lifting up the low and putting down the powerful. Jesus' life and his ministry was in part about giving divine justice to the oppressed. Through his healing, his teachings, and ultimately through his death and resurrection that gives new life to all who put their faith in him. Jesus is the companion of all who suffer injustice. And he will and he is making and remaking the world to be a world that is just to the needy, 
to the minority, to the child, to the elder, and to the unborn. Jesus will make all things new when he comes again, but he calls on us to be part of that renewal by acting with justice and compassion to those who need justice and compassion the most. If you witness injustice, be an advocate for those who are hurt. Stand up for the weak. Stand up to those who are in power. Those who are in power who seek to gain at the expense of the weak. Not just in your words, but in your deeds. Be the hands and feet of Jesus to those who suffer so that no one will have to suffer alone. And when the church stands up for justice and works for the good of all people, both the poor and the poor in spirit, we can see a glimpse of the kingdom which is to come. Injustice is nothing new. But standing against injustice... That is something that can bring the kind of renewal that our world needs the most. And Jesus offers us the strength and power to do just that. Amen. close in prayer today. Gracious, holy, and loving God, Lord, we come to you asking that you would give us the courage to stand up to injustice whenever we see it. That you would work within us to be a comforting shoulder to those who have been oppressed, to those who have been hurt. To stand up for what is good and right, that all people might be treated as your children. We praise you and thank you. Ask that you go and be with us. Guide us and direct us until we meet here again. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And go in peace.